I mean, if it's so cold that it hurts your face, <laughs> that's too cold for your dog. If you're going to be very uncomfortable, your dog is too. So on those days, you can skip the walk. Hello and welcome back to Honest to Dog Podcast. I'm your host, Liz Foley, CEO and dog behaviorist at The Dog House. And I am Jeff Gadway, your trusty co-host for today on the one about winter. What's your take on winter? Do you like winter? Mm-hmm. Do you not like winter? I've kind of grown to tolerate and embrace winter. Tell me about that. But <laughs> I was not a fan. Um, no, I work outside a lot with dogs, so I've just learned if you dress up for it, you'll survive. <laughs> what is it that you guys did a while ago? If people complained about winter, they had to put like 25 cents in a winter <laughs> jar or something like that? Yeah, I think I, I said that one year with my staff um, that they were going to have to pay me tax if they complained about winter. Because <laughs> I was like, I'm just not going to hear it. Just come in, dress for it. And and that, it's really not so bad. Yeah, I don't agree. I don't <laughs> like winter. I don't luge. I don't bobsled. I don't cross-country ski, any of the most popular winter sports. Uh, not for me. I, I think like, I'm built for California climate. I'm like oh, Baker. Yeah. I think I should yeah. be in like San Francisco or something like that. But See, I think the other thing too is, sorry to cut you off, I have grown to not complain about winter anymore because I realize you work outside with dogs mm-hmm. all day, all winter. So I have really nothing to complain about mm-hmm. since I work inside at a desk all day. Yeah, that would drive me crazy. You'd come in and be like, so cold from parking my car and walking back <laughs> inside. You have no idea. You so because we've got such polarizing views about winter. Not polarizing. I don't love winter. Okay. I love hibernating during winter. Little bits of the brisk cold. Right. When it's, what was it called? A polar vortex that one year. I don't, I'm not here for that. But we figured it was probably a, a, an appropriate topic to talk about since we are really just at the front end of what will be another really difficult winter for a variety of factors. You know, I think the Farmer's Almanac is calling for a particularly harsh winter on top of going into year two of pandemic. Mm -hmm. We thought it would be good to talk about the winter and some considerations for you and your dog as we go into the winter. Yep, I like it. Let's talk about our dogs in the winter. And, you know, we've got... (laughs) Two dogs right now, or three, we still think we've got three dogs. Carmen's always with us. We've got three dogs with very different views to the winter. True. Carmen came from Mexico. All our dogs came from hot places. All our dogs came from hot places. (laughs) This is true. Um, Carmen from Mexico, Baker from California, Ty from Thailand. Talk about that first time Carmen experienced winter. We got her in the summer. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, fast forward six months. What was that first snowfall like for Carmen? She was in heaven. She freaking loved it. I remember she was like running around in it. And I, I have videos actually of her doing that up until the end with us. Like she was just, she loved snow. The first snowfall every season, she was just, she, she, she'd lose she, it. She would lose it. Yeah. What about our other boys? How are they with winter? Ty tolerates it like me. I would say he's kind of like me. I don't want to get out of bed and really go in and be out in the cold. But if I have to, once I'm out, I'm, I'm good. And Baker's probably more like me then. Oh he my just God, shuts Baker. down. Yeah, he, he, he hates it. He does not want to put his clothes <laughs> on or go out. He wants to lie in front of the fireplace all season, which I don't blame him. Yeah. That would be very nice. 
but that actually is a good segue into the first topic and like dressing appropriately for the winter, you mm-hmm. know, and things like like booties and everything else. Do you have any advice or tips for dog owners out there, you know, particularly maybe puppy owners going into their first winter, anything that they can do to be prepared to ensure that their dog has a positive experience? Yeah, I recommend layering up. And so if you have a puppy, consider the fact that they're gonna get cold pretty quick, just like any small dog. The lower the dog is, the more sensitive they're going to be to any heat extreme. So Chihuahua, it makes sense. We make sure to bundle him up. Um, He's also got very fine coat, not Mm -hmm. a lot of hair to keep him warm. Wiener dogs, super low to the ground. They need coverage too. Understanding that if you have a puppy, you might have to get sizes as they grow and just kind of deal with that. If your dog's fully grown, they can have a number of things, but having something that's super warm and then having a layer that's water resistant. Because we put Baker in two layers. Usually the outside one is water resistant. So then he doesn't get wet. Right. So he usually wears in the cold, cold, two if not three layers. And then we put booties on him too. Yeah, talk about the booties. Like what are what are the different reasons why booties might make sense for for dogs of any kind, any size, mm-hmm. regardless of, you know, whether it's a small dog low to the ground or not. Yeah, it doesn't only have to be for small dogs because it doesn't just protect against cold, it also protects against salt. Because salt on your dog's paws when wet actually creates a burning sensation. It melts the snow. So it stings their feet and paws. And I remember, oh my God, Carmen used to scream when that would happen for her. We'd always have to carry her in areas where there was tons of salt because she just, it was too painful for her. It broke my heart. Can we just stop and talk about salt for a second? I'm going to get pretty fired up. I don't think I've gotten fired up on our podcast yet. And this one really grinds my gears. I know. I feel like as good citizens, as good members of the community, we need to not use so much salt on Mm -hmm. our streets and on our sidewalks. I get that we need to keep it clear for people who are pedestrians or people with accessibility needs. That is absolutely important. Don't get me wrong. But I was walking in Uptown Waterloo um, close to our house the other day with Baker. I took him to the small studio office that I have and was trying to take him on a walk. And there were sections of the sidewalk that were covered in salt covered in salt like Uptown it was Waterloo ridiculous and I was really aware of that with him and I picked him up I picked him up I had to carry him yeah. because there's no way I was going to make him walk on this like salt field it's like a salt mine yeah. it was ridiculous so I think we got to settle down a little bit or use pet safe products I mean that's, that's what I was going to say here at home we use either sand or we use pet safe ice melt. Well, which, I mean, we have dogs on either side of us too, our yeah. neighbors. And so you want to be conscientious of who's going to be walking those paths. And I don't even find, I don't think the salt, like the pet friendly salt, I don't think it's that much more expensive. No. It's really quite fair. Yeah. It's about, about being courteous and being conscientious of who's using those facilities. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we've talked about salt. Sorry about that. So folks, yeah, for my getting point so fired with that up. is though, there are going to be some larger breed dogs that might need to wear booties. And I don't think that's humanizing your dog at all. It's not dressing them up for fashion. It's actually making sure that they are comfortable and warm and well cared for. And safe. Yeah. So totally. Oh, and I also wanted to mention 
this is not paid by anybody, just an FYI. It's not a paid advertisement. I finally found really good booties for Baker and Baker's got teeny tiny paws because you're afraid you're going to break a bone with some of the stuff you have to really like push their feet in. And then furthermore, for ones that he would actually keep on and not kick off on a walk. So posh pads, and I want to say it's spelled P-A-W-S-H, pads. They open up really, really well for you to put them on, and then they actually stay on. And they're Velcro, right? There's a couple of Velcro clasps. But I will say they're not waterproof. So Uh not great for long walks, but when you can do in the cold, cold weather, when all you can really do is a walk around the block, that will do very well for your dog. And we've tried everything too. We've tried the little balloons. Yeah, we tried those on Carmen. And they don't seem to stay on very well. They can be really tight because they're not adjustable. They might be too, I don't even think they're too loose on most dogs. They're, They're really, really tight. Um, so that's not healthy. That can cut off circulation. Right. And again, I think that's just a, a water barrier, mm-hmm. not actually for keeping paws warm. What about other products? I know we've tried this in the past, like the balms that go on the mm, bottom of the feet. Mm-hmm. Are they? How, how do you find them for providing protection against the cold, the wet, and the salt? I forgot about that. Yeah, I, I used that for quite a while with Carmen, which I did find helpful with her. Um, again, it just creates a bit of a barrier, keeps moisture in. I like it more so now as more like an ongoing conditioning for your dog's paw pads. It's just nice treatment on them. Um, it's not going to do too, too much for warmth or salt protection, especially again, if, if it's wet, it might come off. It's just kind of waxy. Right. right? It's kind of like, like a snowboard wax or like a ski wax almost that you just kind of take in your hand and apply. Mm-hmm. She it didn't really... like it very much, so did she? she... No, opposite. Did, did she... she loved it. She oh. tried to lick it off all the time because it's like, I don't know what it is. Shea butter That's and what something. I was going to say, yeah. Coconut oil. I don't know what it is, but she freaking just tried to lick it off. So now that we've got our dogs ready to go out into the elements, mm-hmm. appropriately dressed, appropriately safeguarded against you know snow, sleet, ice, any tips or suggestions for when you're out there with your dog, um, how you might vary the duration of your walk or what you would do in a walk to get the most bang for your buck out during that time outside mm-hmm. while not subjecting yourself to the same, you know, hour long walk or more with your dog, just given the fact that it's going to be cold and maybe inclement weather. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's really cold, I would half your walk and double your speed or lessen your, sp- like change your speed. You probably wouldn't want to go super, super slow because it's cold and you probably if you're moving faster you'll warm up right so i would go faster than you normally walk because then it's it's a change anytime you change anything for your dog you're going to ask them to think harder another option could be using a knapsack so then there's the element of i have a job i have to carry something and follow you on this walk so now i'm making it more mentally stimulating but i do want to like point out that there are going to be days where it's too cold to walk your dog. Every year we have those extreme cold warnings, I think, that the Weather Network puts out. And on those days, we typically close the daycare because dogs and people can get... Frostbite? Thank you. <laughs> Frostbite really, really quickly. What is that? Sorry, what is that 
temperature that you at the doghouse deem to be unsafe for staff and dogs? Minus 20 before wind chill. Even minus 15 can be for small dogs. Right. Today was, I think, minus 11 at some point. Feels like minus 15. Baker was already lifting up a paw just when I let him out for a pee break. It was too cold for him. So he's a small dog and you need to keep things like that into con in consideration because it, it takes a matter of minutes for a dog to get frostbite. Is there a guideline for listeners at home, you know, when to know it's too cold for walks? Mm -hmm. I mean, if it's so cold that it hurts your face, <laughs> that's too cold for your dog. If you're gonna be very uncomfortable, your dog is too. So on those days, you can skip the walk. What would you do instead? Because dogs, you know, according to the formula for a balanced dog, they still need exercise, discipline, affection, whether mm -hmm. it's on a walk or not. And according to your, keep me honest here, Liz, but your formula, you always want to have twice as much exercise as discipline and affection. So mm -hmm. how do you ensure that they get what they need, even when the weather isn't conducive to an outdoor walk? So my recommendation to clients is treadmill. Treadmill train your dog so that you can rely on that as a tool when walks are not possible. You could get a treadmill on Kijiji for pretty cheap. I think we got ours for less than 200 bucks on yeah, Kijiji, a agreed. used one. And it's grubby. It's not cute, but it's for the dogs. Yeah. You have the spin bike beside and I have the elliptical. Sometimes we do whole family workouts. Like our treadmill is big enough that it fits Ty and Baker at the same time. So I'm not kidding. Like all four of us can be working out at the same time. <laughs> it's such an, a needed tool when you live in Canada. <laughs> I'm sorry, like, but if, if you want to have a well-behaved dog in the wintertime and there are days where it's too cold to walk, treadmill is going to be your best friend. I want to point out that treadmill training your dog is more than exercise alone it's mental stimulation because they have to learn how to adapt to this new thing and it's foreign to them how you train them really really matters you want to do it slowly but you don't have to have your dog do an hour on the treadmill to be tired because it's so mentally stimulating they can do less time and it's like they went on an hour-long walk and like you said earlier about changing a variable, I know when I treadmill the boys, I will move between a very slow speed, a normal walking speed, and back to a slow speed mm -hmm. and, and, and give them some variety. We never, you know, and I just want to emphasize this, you never want your dog to be running on a treadmill. No. Absolutely not. But we move them between kind of a normal gait and almost like an extra slow gait to make them focus on slowing down and then move between those two. And, and that seems to really tire them out, mm -hmm. giving them that mental challenge. Honestly, I love treadmills so much and training owners how to do it with their dogs, not just um, dogs how to do it, because there are so many variables that you can introduce that make it a brand new challenge. So even when your dog knows how to treadmill and you can rely on that and you're worried that they might honestly be getting a little bit bored, you can play around with things like adjusting the incline or changing the speed. Again, never to any extremes or carry your favorite toy for a minute. Or, oh, that's a fun one. I've yeah, never heard of that one before. I just made it up. 
That's why you're the pro. <laughs> or wear a backpack while you treadmill or wear your muzzle or wear one of your booties. Like there's so many things you can do to make the dog go, whoa, I got to think about this. So if you have a really, really smart dog who's challenging and you feel like you constantly kind of have to be teaching them something new and more, treadmill, like the, the possibilities are endless. So if you're using a treadmill with your dog every day, does that mean you don't have to go for a walk then? Or where does it fit in to your exercise routine? Treadmill can be good to use in replacement of walks when walks aren't possible, but really nothing can compare to the same experience as you doing a walk every day with your dog. So don't switch treadmill for all walks. Still make sure you're doing walks. It can be really helpful though if your dog has a lot of energy to do treadmill before the walk. That's a brilliant way to deplete some energy and then do a much better walk. Just another really quick thing about treadmill is I actually made it available as an online course because I had so many clients who were wanting to learn it. Um, and then we went into lockdown. Yeah, we made it so it's a course that people can buy online and practice it at home and learn the proper way because this is what I don't want people doing is buying a treadmill and throwing their dog on it and then being like, he hurt himself or he hates it or anything like that. I'm very methodical in how I teach treadmill. I want it to be slow exposure. Um, so we kind of do this step-by-step -step process where I demonstrate with two different dogs and how I work through that process. So anyone who's curious to learn about treadmill training, they can find out more information on our website and in the description below. Now, treadmill isn't gonna be feasible for everybody. You know, some people just don't have space for a treadmill in True. their home, they live in a condo, or you know, it might not be for them. So beyond treadmill, what are some other strategies that people could use to provide their dog with mental stimulation or physical exertion on those really cold days where a walk isn't possible? Mm -hmm. Going back to your basic training, I always recommend the exercise sit on the dog for clients. Um, and that's not actually sitting on your dog. Um, that's a patient's training technique that we use with your dog on leash and holding a sit beside you. And that just asking them to do something to focus can drain energy, just like even if you were to work on your tricks and that's what we do sometimes on really cold days. We'll teach them a new trick and focus time. It's kind of just like a, a class session, really quick and brief, but um, it's working your brain or playing hide and go seek or other activities that you can do. Maybe something like place even. Absolutely. Do place. You can even leash your dog up and do training in your home, like imitate a walk. Right. Go If you have a long hallway in your apartment, on your floor, you could just practice how you walk there. Right, right. Going up and down stairs. So changing gears a little bit, Liz, as we go into the winter season and the holiday season, you know, this is a time when a lot of people reflect on the year that they've just had and start to set some goals or intentions for the coming year. And I think we might often overlook our dogs or our pets in that process. You know, we talk about how we want to eat better, how we want to exercise more, how we want to build new routines around saving or money. But this is a great opportunity to set some goals for deepening that relationship with your dog, strengthening your bond, mm -hmm. being a better leader for them. So maybe we could talk for a few minutes just about some of our goal setting practices that we've started to really apply over the last few years and give people some ideas for how they could include their pets in that process. Mm -hmm. So I love it that I don't know when we started this, 
but we have kind of a new tradition where we sit down around New Year's and write down, if not New Year's Day, it's New Year's Day, I think we do it. And we write down all our goals for the year. Um, so those include personal goals and professional business goals, as well as our family goals. Sometimes it's, I know the last year we had Carmen, before I even knew she was sick, um, the goal that I wrote down for that year was I wanted to go on a trip, like all of us, somewhere we've never been together, like an overnight stay there trip. Um, and that's when we went to Tobermory that summer and rented a cottage up there for a week. And it was so blissful. And it was it was really, really nice to kind of cross off something on the to-do list that in January felt far off, but then it was intentional and whether it manifested in the universe or we made it happen, however you want to look at it, it was so rewarding to then to do it. Yeah, so just to elaborate a little bit on our planning process that we've evolved over the last few years, you're right, we always do it around New Year's. I think we start on New Year's Day and, and it's typically like a several day process because what we don't do, and I really wanna be emphatic about this, we don't set resolutions. These aren't mm -mm. just lists of things. What we're doing is a goal setting exercise. We lay out, what we accomplished the previous year and, and do a reflection around what did we want to accomplish? Where did we meet our goals? Where did we maybe fall short of our goals? Then we talk about like, what are our goals personally, professionally, family-wise for that coming year? And then we go into a really important step where we start action planning around those things. Mm -hmm. So it's not just, here's my resolution, I'm gonna eat better, but how am I going to realize that outcome? What are the steps that I'm gonna take? What are the broad strokes, timelines associated with those things? One of the things I had set out for 2020 was to launch an online course. And so it's something that I'd wanted to do for a long time. And so during that planning process, it was kind of like, okay, how am I gonna measure that? I wanna you know, launch the course by this date. I wanna have this many subscribers or purchasers by this date and here are the key milestones okay. another goal i had for this year was to improve my golf game and so i kind of said i want to attain so and so handicap how am i going to get there well i'm going to take one lesson every three weeks between january and may i'm going to play x number of times per week i'm going to practice this number of times and so it's building the behaviors and the patterns that set you up for succeeding your goal i so love that you said all that because i actually asked my clients to do that at the beginning of our group class so what is your goal? They have to put all their goals with their dog on one side and then the other side, they get a second post-it and they have to write down all their intentions. And their intentions are, how are they going to live up to those goals? What are What's the work they're gonna put in to making that happen? So, because goals are just an end result, right? Or, or resolutions. You don't have the map to get there. Having the intentions to do the freaking work, that's amazing, that holds you then accountable. Yeah, and what we've done in the past is wrapped this around like a little family trip over New Year's. I think last year we went up to Blue Mountain Blue Mountain, and spent a couple days up there and kind of treated it as a planning retreat. And what I loved about that was that we really unplugged. We were able to take the dogs. We started every day with a big, long dog walk. We mm -hmm. were able to get out in nature, get some fresh air, and then come back and commit to this planning exercise and, you know, be there together and share our respective goals 
that we had personally, professionally, and then together as a family as well. Um, now, granted, this year might be a little different. We're probably not going to be able to get away somewhere. But I think that it's really important for people to take some time to make this a really deliberate process and set themselves up for success in the new year. Yeah, and if you have a goal with your dog, do a bit of that roadmap of how you're going to get to achieving that goal. So if you want an off-leash dog by the summer, put in the work now. Learn long line from a trainer and or e-caller or whatever. Like, How are you going to put in that time, that effort to then get the result of having an off-leash trained dog by the spring or summer? Do you have any early sneak peeks of goals that you might have for the new year? You know, I've been so concentrating on getting through this year. I have some, I think, cooking in the back of the brain, but I haven't really articulated them to even myself to really truly know what they are. I think opportunity for training or continuing learning training, like I have from Sherry Lucas, like I have from Caesar, Heather Beck, where I want to be able to travel somewhere and learn more because I didn't get to do that this year. Yeah, that's that's actually a really good one. Thinking about what we didn't get to do in 2020 because of the state of the world and how that might impact our 2021 goal setting or, or planning. I haven't given too much thought to it, but one thing I realized this year was that it's really important, I think, to set incredibly ambitious goals. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a great book, I think it's by a guy named John Dewar called Measure What Matters. Uh, about a goal setting process used by a lot of you know successful businesses and the way that they frame it up is that you know your goal should be so ambitious that you really only achieve 70% of them and you know and that should still be pretty impressive right like that hitting 100% of your goal maybe means that you didn't set your yeah, goal set big enough low right bar. So I know for me, like my goal for this year golf-wise was incredibly ambitious. And while I didn't get all the way there, I got pretty far. It pushed you. Yeah, Yeah. it pushed me. Same thing with reading. I think I I set a goal of reading, you know, 20 books this year. Did I read 20 books this year? Absolutely not. But I read more, I think, this year than I ever had in the past. Mm -hmm. And so it was still a win, right? And I think it's also about resetting expectations around what, success looks like, what a win looks like. Do you have to be 100% in order to characterize it as a win? Maybe not. Maybe making progress is is win enough. Well, I will say this, being on, having a podcast and releasing online courses was on pretty sure my 2016 goal list, 20, no, maybe not that far, but definitely 2018 and 2019. And I'm only crossing those things off my list now I can push them over those ones felt so ambitious to me in the time that I wrote them it was almost laughable like put put some ridiculous goals down that you would be like never in my wildest dreams would I think I would be doing this I didn't think we'd be doing a podcast this is like pinch me it's been a year this is phenomenal well I think I'm gonna I'm gonna throw an ambitious goal out in the universe here and and it's one that I just came up with in this moment I would like to be comfortable with Thai off-leash by midsummer. I'm going to say by July 1st. I'm already comfortable, but yeah, let's get you there. So I'm not. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I, I, I feel like, you know, I, I can do them for short periods of time, but I'm going to set that as a goal. So maybe we can we can workshop how to Love get me it. there. 
I love it. I have all the steps in my head of how we're getting there. So Perfect. We'll, you don't even need to worry about a thing. <laughs> Are we good on time? Yeah. All right. Well, I'm feeling pretty inspired. I'm looking forward to the holidays and taking a break and recharging, spending time with you, spending time with the dogs, um, and just focusing on, you know, reflecting on this year, celebrating wins in a tough time and mm -hmm. also setting some goals for, for next year. I think we'd just leave you with one final thought. Dream big, plan big. And if you're open to it, share some of your goals with us. Let us know what you're hoping to accomplish in 2021, personally, professionally, with your dog, of course. Let us know. Drop us a message. Sounds good. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will see you guys in the new year. And until next time, stay calm and assertive. If you've got an idea for an episode or a suggestion for a topic you'd like to hear covered, or a question you want answered by yours truly, drop us an email, hello at honestdogpodcast.com, or slide right into our DMs on Instagram. Slip and slide. <laughs> Honest to Dog Podcast is hosted by Liz Foley and Jeff Gadway. The show is engineered, edited, and produced by me, Timothy Musa. Support for the podcast is provided by The Doghouse. For all things training and daycare, head over to their website, doghaus.ca.